Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you have in store for us. I ask that as I pray this morning that your hearts will be prepared for this. Not my word, but for your word, Lord. And I pray that hearts are ready for your word this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, come, anoint my words as I speak. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you use the least of these, me, to share what you, you put on my heart. Um, and I bless everyone with it this morning. This morning we're talking about mercy. And it's in the, in the context of, of, of five loves. Um, and where we feel we're going as a church, right? Uh, I think Rob la- touched on last week, um, you know, home church. And it's not that we're going to home church and then that's it. It's what... what what activities we're doing to bring us to more of what we feel Jesus is bringing us to uh, in the biblical sense of you know, being an activation within our community amongst ourselves. Like being something different and not just beyond Sunday mornings. And this is an extension. And I, I think this term uh, does a, uh, a disservice, the practice of mercy. Actually, it's not the practice of mercy. We haven't got a choice to be honest, right? It, it's clearly in Scripture commanded, um, and hopefully I'll go through that with you in terms of we, we, don't, we don't get a choice in this because we've been shown mercy, a beautiful amount of mercy. And as I, I unpack Scripture, it's like, yeah, we don't get a choice in this. Because, and, and if we feel like we have a choice, probably we have a small understanding of what mercy really means. And I looked up uh, what mercy um, means in the dictionary and uh, in the whatever yeah dictionary to source whatever and it says this right the definition of mercy is this compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Now I ha- I have to say just a, Christendom stops there. That's a very small meager definition of mercy. And if you stop there, and, and as Rob, it's funny that Rob touched on that. If we stop at just the wrath of God has been stopped, I'm convinced this is one of the reasons why we have so many denominations in the world. We have so many denominations. You have a spectrum of love. People who cower at the thought of God and are happy to say that and go, you know, oh, well, if I ever face God, I'll cower. And it's... It's like, yeah, you did escape his wrath. You did, absolutely. And we deserve something that Jesus took for us. But as Rob was saying, what's beyond that? You know, Jesus said he came to, to, to set the captives free and to restore, bind up the brokenhearted. And we kind of forget that bit too. And that definition of mercy is so small in the biblical sense. And we'll see that now in a few minutes. So God having pity on us and showing mercy from only a pity point is not the end of the reason for his compassion and mercy. Because you've got to ask the question, why show mercy in the first place? Is it just to show that I could have punished you, but I didn't? That's not, that's not the heart of God. Something more beyond that. And this is what I want to try and unpack. Why? Why did God show mercy? Why go through with God? If it was just that, you wanted to show mercy because you wanted to stop your wrath and show off a bit, right? I could, and then... What happens is then, right, if you stop the story there, you go, God, you've just swapped your wrath and your mercy for a ton of guilt and and servitude, right, and a a heart of, oh, I can't even look at you, Lord, I can't even approach you. So that when you fall again, you're like, oh, I can't even go near him again. This is a disaster, and that's religion. And I, I was once there before. So we have to start, look, why does God show the mercy the way he does? And I, I believe you have to start way back. You have to start back in the garden or even beyond that. 
and see what God did in the Garden of Eden and when he made man and woman. And he said it is good. He, he created something very, very valuable in his eyes. And scripture is covered with this stuff. You're valuable to God. He wanted you back. He wanted you back. And I know, look, it's funny. This is one of the toughest messages he'll ever try that we can't get in. God loves you. Like, how many times have you heard it? And it's so flipping hard to go, really? <laughs> Am I really believing that? Or do I just stop at the, he loves me, I get it, I've sinned, and he stopped his wrath. Hallelujah. If that's the end of your story, that's not, that's not the end of Jesus' story. That's not how he brought mercy and compassion and love. Some of us are happy with the lens of caring with God. Don't smite me, oh smiteful one. And we're happy there. But that's not the end of the story. Really, God has shown your mercy so we can substitute fear, the wrong kind of fear. And there are different kinds of fear. A healthy fear is like fearing lightning, but understanding its beauty and absolute awesome power. God just want, doesn't want you to fear him in, that, in, in the, just a cowering sense. He wants you to fear him. And, oh my goodness, you are spectacularly awesome. Like lightning. But you still love, I, I love lightning. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't go near it. Like you, do a, you can keep your lightning kind of thing. Right? And it's the healthy fear of understanding God's... I, I'm fearful for the world because I know how mighty God is. I know how lightning can strike and damage stuff. I do fear for the world. I do. So some believers are happy with that definition of mercy. If we take that view of mercy, why and what's its impact? Real mercy, God sets off a chain reaction. And this is the part that we're going to look at in in Scripture. Mercy is a starting point. It is an ignition of dynamite. That definition that I just read out about mercy doesn't do anything. But the mercy that Jesus brought to the earth set off a chain reaction and that is the mercy that I'm contending with today with you that we are to bring to the world to set off a chain reaction we are not just to bring the mercy but we are to bring the effects of mercy as well so I stand here with you as someone who has received that mercy even only this morning praying and God convicted me of something and I was like oh my goodness in your mercy you've just shown me how beautiful you are how amazing you, you are how forgiving you are you're like, holy, holy moly. <laughs> it's, it's overflowing. It's, it's, you're relentless in your mercy. Why? Why bother, Lord? You're serious. And you can't not just go, love. <laughs> you love me. I, 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 sometimes I scratch my head and go, why? Are you mad? You know, no, I love you. you know? And any time where I deny that, I find myself struggling and denying the cross of Jesus. I, I kind of depower that if I step into self-pity and self or disworth, if I, if I say that. At the very centre of the gospel story, mercy resides. God indeed took pity on us. But it was more than just pity, it was compassion. His compassion for us burned. And we see this in scripture. Probably a bit small. I should have brought you binoculars, right? But let me read them out. Let me read these out. One of the reasons are that you need to let sink in is this term that God sees you for who you are. God sees your value and your worth. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. 
The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity trans- uh, and transgression and sin. Sometimes when we hear about the, the Old Testament God, we go, wow, he's full of wrath. Actually, if you read scripture and if you get into the word, you see a very different God. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And one of my favourites, and I think some of you here here love this one too, too. Through the Lord's mercies we are now consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a beautiful God that we, we serve. That he is slow to anger and after the places in our hearts, and let's be honest, they're pretty, pretty immensely crappy at times. How he's given us a new heart and he wants to show us mercy, compassion. And you've got to ask yourself, why? You, 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 it's stark. You've got to go beyond that and say, why bother, Lord? And let him do something in your heart. I think it's because he sees you from heaven. He sees who you are. He knows how valuable you are to him. And that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one to believe. I, 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 throughout my life you find that tricky to believe. But let me talk about two, 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 two stories of mercy. I'm going I'm to come to scripture in a minute. But let me just try and bring this to another story that for some reason always hits me when I, when I watch it. I don't know, Le Miserable, yeah? You ever see that? It's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Jean Valjean set out, of, set out of prison. He's walking around a French town and all he has is a green card and basically says, you're scum. Like, no one go near him. You're, you're scum. That's the label. Like, you're not worth anything. You're crap. You're not worth another chance. And then the bishop sees him and puts him up for a night. And uh, Jean Valjean sees all the cutlery and says they're all silver. And he says, I'm, <laughs> I'm Oski. Middle of the night happens. He starts robbing the place. The bishop comes and confronts him. Jean Valjean smacks him one and legs it. Next morning, the police drag him back. Back in your comb. We caught him. Caught him. Red-handed with your cutlery. And then the policeman says, Bishop, he said you gave it to him. And the bishop says this. Jean Valjean, I'm so disappointed in you. You didn't take the candlesticks. <laughs> and the police are like, what's going on here? You know, and it's a beautiful scene of mercy. And in that, it's a gospel truth of the chain reaction that happens of one man's mercy to another. And what happened there, the bishop was seen beyond. The bishop had kingdom eyes on and he was seen beyond the sum of sin, because you are not the sum of your sin. God said that to you. You're not the sum of your sin. We're going to get rid of that. I see beyond that. I'm going to set you free. That's amazing. Your man's face is like, <laughs> you're going to give me the candlesticks as well? And he's confronted with a truth that there's mercy in the world. And the bishop, at that moment, is Jesus. Is Jesus saying, I see you. I see you in the dirt. I see you in the pain. It's not who you are. And then we go to scripture and we see this happening all over scripture. We see Jesus. Right? The woman caught in adultery. Right? <laughs> and I'm sorry for the, for, for the language that I'm using, but it's real. We have to get real with this. It's like 
you know, Pete, the, 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 the Jews at the time, she is scum in the earth. She's just been cast. The man wasn't dragged out, of course, right? But the woman was. I'll deal with that another time, maybe. But anyway. And, and you're like, scum of the earth. Look, let brick her, stone her. Jesus says, hold on a minute here. Hold on. Hold the phone here. Draws a line in the sand. But why? You've got to ask the question, why? Why did he do that? Prove a point to the, to the Jews? No, not that too. But he saw something different in the woman. I, I, I'm going to take a bit of poetic license. I believe that, that she wanted to be out of that situation. She didn't want to be in that situation. People in the world that are stuck in drugs, stuck in pain, stuck in nonsense. I'm convinced that any guy, if I ever talked to them and they were like, look, I've an, I've an issue with porn, I've an issue with, with you know, going to prostitutes or whatever. And you get down to the dirt of it, right? Get, get away all that muck up. I guarantee you they're like, I don't want this. I don't want this. Of course they don't. And that's what Jesus sees. That's what Jesus sees. That's why in mercy can set off a chain reaction. It's not guilt, it's not shame. It's going to bring condemnation for freedom. And we see this in another story. Zacchaeus, this little uh, and chubby fella up a tree, rice. Could have, could have been me, but anyway, I'm working on that. Uh, but imagine, chubby fell up a tree, right? Everyone hates tax collectors. All they see is a label, robbers. You rob. You rob from people. You're a scumbag. We hate you. And Jesus turns and says, hey, okay, I have a chance of lunch. I a chance of lunch at your house. And all of a sudden, within the lunch, the lad's given half his property away. He's paying back debt two or three folds. Because of mercy, the chain reaction of mercy. Now, this is not, this is not just down to Jesus, guys. <laughs> this is not just down to Jesus. Because we have engaged in this mercy that Jesus has brought us into our hearts. We have to be mercy bringers. We've no choice in the matter. Well, we do. But dare I say it then, have you experienced mercy? The real mercy. So look at what happened at the cross. This is the pinnacle of mercy and we see it when we, when, we, when we take bread and drink wine later on. We see this amazing entanglement of love which is the foundation of all things. God is love. We start there. Love, mercy, compassion all wrapped up in this fantastic tangle that is at the very heartbeat of God and is at the very heartbeat of the cross. Let's try and Let's try and take the religious veer off what happened at the cross. Let's just, this young, young man from Nazareth, start setting people free from both all bondages, physical, mental, spiritual. And then people hate him. And then they said, well, we're going to nail this lad to the cross. What a poor guy. Like, if, you know, let's just draw back to what it is. A young guy, 33 years old, slammed to a cross for doing good. And then in his agony, in his absolute utter agony, this is where I think we lose the sense of, sometimes with the language we use, not deepening deeper into scripture, we lose his humanity. I'm telling you, he felt that stuff, lads. He felt every inch of it. The nails going in, and, let me, let, and, and let's, the, the Romans were absolutely fantastic at execution. They were sensational at it. They didn't just hang them. They weren't just hoping for oh, where we stick the nail today. They knew exactly where to stick the nails. Because to, to, 
<coughs> keep them there longer and exact the amount of pain that we want on them. And yet, <laughs> Father, they don't know what they do. Forgive them. Out of all of that, are you joking? Can you imagine what's happening in the spiritual realm, right? Imagine an angel on the other side of the, of, of the universe coming back on earth and going, hey, what's up? Or the name of Jesus to a cross. No, they're not. No, they're not. What? Like, imagine what was held back. Why was it held back? Why? Why? God would still be sovereign and still loving and caring if he ended the world right there and then. Why? Because <laughs> he loves us. It's a stark truth that's at the cross. Same reason why at the fella on his right hand side he said, Oh Jesus, just any chance of salvation here. I'm taking poetic license by the way, this is not real scripture. Right? Poetic license. Jesus, any chance of salvation. And take the religious veer off it. I guarantee Jesus knew his name. He knew him. He made him. He knew his DNA. He just turned and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. No, you're a robber. Get out on my, in agony here. Will you leave me alone? Right? No. Because the very cry, every drop of blood screamed mercy. Mercy, mercy. I often imagine what's happening in the heavenlies. Just, just imagine a corridor like this up to the throne room of God. And you can imagine, you know, an angel carrying a big bowl of, of Jesus' blood to the, to the throne. And the Father's saying, it's done, it's finished. I want you back. I have you back now. Look what I've done. You didn't do it on your own. I've done this for you. My wrath is finished. Paid for. Can you you imagine the Father's heart at that moment? Seeing the blood just spill all the way up to the altar. Just... The, the cry of it's finished it was a mercy cry. It was like, Father, from now on, this blood represents mercy only. That's it. And dare I say, that's the mercy that, if we experience that, that's the mercy we bring to the earth. That's the mercy we bring as kingdom bearers, as mercy bearers. Let me just read it. And earlier on I said, look, how can we struggle with this? It's not, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. But anyone who does not love, does not know God. For God is love. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also was merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And this beauty from Matthew For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we do these things? When when were you hungry? When? And and feed you. Or thirsty and gave you a drink. When did we see you as a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say, Surely I say to you, as in as much as you did it for one of these, of one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Assuredly I say to you, in so much as you did it to, to one of the least of these, you did not take it. You did not do it 
to me. And what I love about that scripture is there's there's no preconditions. There's no, oh, are they a believer? Are they not a believer? Do they believe what I believe? Do they not believe what I believe? There's no preconditions. We don't have a choice when we meet people that are need mercy. It could be a Muslim. It could be a Jew. It could be anyone. It could be homeless. It could be someone working in as a CEO. I tell you now, they need just as much mercy as anything. It could be somebody who has a million euro in the bank account. They need mercy. Some of those scriptures are really are, are, are more of commands than anything. And we have to step into them. And I really got a sense during the week, and this is the part where, um, where I really want to talk about it. Because this is, this, I don't want this to be just a lovely sermon. And it can't be a lovely sermon. So the relentless push of the kingdom happens in small moments of meeting people in their need as representatives of Jesus. Being his hands and feet and showing scandalous mercy, love and compassion as he did. But we have two choices here. We can go out today and go, oh, it's not a lovely sermon. Ah, I learned something. A few scriptures that talk about mercy. Or we can actually leave here and go, or before we leave here and go, how do I activate this stuff in me? How do I step into this stuff? And I think this, this term is not just for the mercy, you know, activating your heart, you know, uh, softening your heart, but this opens a whole can of worms. And I really felt the Lord say this week that I'm inviting my people in to see the way I see things for Bray, for Ireland, for the world, for your neighbours, for your family. So as I delved into more and more of this, uh, it's very clear that we need to be an active part of, uh, of this. A few questions came to my mind. And this, please, please hear me, because when I talk about this, I talk about me as well. Let's have a look at Bray, for example. Or anywhere, anywhere, Dublin. Dublin city centre. How many churches are in Dublin city centre? Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds, right? And I, I, this is levied against us as well. Look at the world around us and see how Christians have engaged with the world. Has it been merciful? Has it been compassionate? Dare I say it, what would happen, the litmus test, what would happen if a prostitute, and you knew it was a prostitute, let's say, walked into this church? How would, what would the reaction be? Or you knew somebody was adulterous? Or somebody who was a murderer? Right? They're still out of jail. What would we do? What would Jesus do? And the question came to my mind last night, and I thought it was stark. If Jesus lived in Bray, what would he be doing? I tell you now, it wouldn't be just a Sunday. I tell you now, if he lived in your house, what would you be doing differently? Because he's mentor. He's mentor. And this is stark. And I'm uh, like, I found my heart saying, Jesus, I just, <laughs> can you please activate something in me so actually I'm more like you? Because I tell you now, I need more of you and less of me. And I meant that. Because we can easily say those prayers, more of you, Jesus, less of me. And you're like, no, actually, you know something? Because if I'm, if I'm saying I'm your follower, this is an act of participation. I'm, I'm signing up to a job role. 
Right? I'm joining sign up to our job. <laughs> right? That is active part in our communities, in our families and with our friends. How different would Bray be? And then this really struck me. And, uh, and this is the part where I have to confess to the Lord. Jesus does live in Bray. And I'm just talking to you, I'm not talking about any other kind of, I don't, I'm like that there, the extended body, but I'm talking about us. Jesus does live in Bray. He's living in us. What is he activating in us to do differently in Bray? What is he activating in your heart to do differently in your family? Because start there, your workplace. And I hope this agitates you, I really do, because it agitates the living daylights out of me during the week. And if this doesn't agitate us into action, lads, let's just keep an L Sunday service. We come in and do an L, an L few songs. See you, good seeing you, nice. Bye, God bless you. Great seeing you, have a great week. Let's have a cup of tea sometime. If that's what you want, and I don't think it is, right? Let's change it. I, I talked about this word activation, and the, and the Lord reminded me of this because I was really struggling with this during the week. I was like, "What are you talking about activation? It's one of these stupid buzzwords, Lord." And I don't want to come in and go activation. You can't activate yourself. Like, just nonsense, right? But it's true, and it start it starts with physical activation. And this was what Lord, the Lord brought me to. And I wasn't going to bring this up and hone in on this, but it's really important. And it goes beyond just activating mercy in you. It's activating the Jesus plans in you, activating the Holy Spirit in you. And there's a physical element we have to step into. There's a physical reaction that we have got to step into. Years ago, I remember very clearly, I, there was a song being sung. I surrender. And I remember going, I do in my backside surrender. Good luck. I'm, I'm not, that was my heart. But I, uh, <laughs> looking back now, Jesus was like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're honest. Because I can work with that. I can work with that. So I was like, I don't want to. kind of want to. kind of don't, but go easy. Because I think what I have in my heart for myself and my future is better than what you have, Jesus. <laughs> what a horse crap. What a horse crap. And then I found that bubbling up, bubbling up the next, I was in Colorado. The next session, I took an activation step. I had never raised my hands before. I remember one time at a U2 concert. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeepers. You know, singing it out. You know, yeah, you know. And the Holy Spirit going, really? Really? You raise your hands for that? Really? This fellow went up a hill for you? King of kings? Lord of lords? Spilt his blood for you? You won't raise your hands for him? Really? Now, there's no guilt and condemnation, but I'll tell you one thing. I sat down at that concert and I was like, <gasps> that is mega. And this is why you probably see me sometimes, I, 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 I'm not going to stop. I you can't. You can't. Another activation story for me. I was coming back from Wales after a weekend of a retreat. And uh, it was before Lorraine was... Um, was uh, was a Christian and I remember one time the Lord said to me I want you to light a fire out your back <laughs> no absolutely not I'm not doing that I'm hearing things and I was going to bed and we were in bed I said Lorraine the Lord is telling me and she thinks I'm a lunatic at this stage right? the Lord is telling me to go out the back and light a fire and I was like I have to do it I, just ha- I don't know why I have to do it I have to do it 
I went out, got a lovely pit ready to rock and roll, and lit it. And it was really kind of a bit dampish out. And I was like, that's never going to take off. Why am I asking to bed? Where did it? It took off. Whoa, flames. Or <laughs> I was like, and the was like, you're going to burn the gap down. I said, no, it's out the back, it's fine. The Lord is with us. We're, we're grand. Now, I, I'm not joking you, guys. When I woke up the next morning, what shape were the ashes in? Cross. The clear as day. Now, I'm telling you now, the Lord reminded me of this this morning for one reason. It's because it was through that activation act that I stepped into something. That prophetic act. I can't tell you what. Something moved in the heavens. The rain got saved. My life took off. I'm not, like it really did. My love for scripture took off. There was something ignited. And that's the scriptural because then, lo and behold, I come across this scripture in 2 Kings 13. And this is what it says. So it talks about Elisha. Elisha is on his deathbed, right? And King uh, Jehoash, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, went up and, and wept over him and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha responded, Take a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrow. Then Elisha said to the king, Put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on it, and Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Elijah said, open the east window. So he opened the east window. Elijah said, shoot. Elijah said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Armenians in Afek until you have put an end to them. This physical act heaven, meat, and earth. What is that about? Then Elisha said to him, take the arrows. Now this is the part I need you to listen to. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he had a bushel of of arrows, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have uh, then you would have struck down a ram until you had put an end to them. But now you will only strike down a ram three times. Then Elijah died and was buried. This is a really important scripture about activation and stepping in from the physical element. And, and I give you, how many times have you been in worship and you felt like maybe kneeling and you didn't? How many times in worship or or anything that you felt like you had to raise your hands and you didn't? How many times did you feel like in worship that you wanted to sing, but you didn't? Now, they're just small examples. So those are examples. If I didn't light that fire out my back, where would I be today? Genuinely. I, d- I don't get it fully. I'm not going to say I do. But what is the activation in your life that God is inviting you into? Now, the beauty about this is this is not my message. You either listen or don't. Because this is not my word. This is God's word. What is he calling you into? What activation is he calling you into? What physical thing? Imagine being in the middle of a war. And you see a lad on a hill. And every time he raises his arms you're winning. And every time he gets tired and drops it down you're losing. What is that about? That's what happened to Moses. Keep your arms up you Egypt. People had to help him. What is this physical connection? This when you stamp your feet, when you get 
something, when you do something, when you activate something. Joshua didn't take over. The Lord said to Joshua, every time you meet, wherever you step, you'll claim. What if Joshua didn't bother his Barney? And I, 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 I test you this morning, as a church, as a people, what do you need to activate in your life? And I say to you, if you haven't sung in church before, start singing. If you haven't raised your arms and you feel like, oh, that's something I'd like to do, raise your arms. Like, if you, if you feel like you need a prayer walk, activate. You need to feel like you have to light a fire right your back. Light the fire. If you feel like you have to pray at every meal as a father, pray at every meal. This, these little things of activation are so important. And, now, and we can't be sitting there or here, and me as well. I'm talking about me, I'm talking to myself, but guys, by the way, right? So don't, don't feel, I hope you're not feeling like, yeah, okay. Uh, it's, it's, I'm only talking to myself. Like, this is what God is waiting for. I get it in Scripture. Moses, strike the ground. Moses, strike the rock. Do this. There's a physical connection to the spiritual. And you, some of us may be going, God isn't for me. I don't know. And maybe we just haven't activated. We haven't, God hasn't seen you open the door. Revelation 19 is very clear. But I stand and I knock at that door. Don't be behind the door moaning when you haven't even opened the door. Open the door. In scripture, God tells us, test me in this. Malachi, it's very clear. Book of Malachi. Right? Test me in these things. Do it. And it's very clear. I'm going to play a song. Sarah, I'm actually going to play one of your songs again, I think. If that's okay. I love it. And I think, um, I'm going to pray over you this morning. Right? And I'm going to, we're going to play a song. I'm not trying to elicit a response out of you and a big hurrah, hurrah moment. This is between you and the Lord. Right? I pray that you get a sense of what you're to activate. I pray if you're to stamp your feet this morning, you stamp your feet five or six times. I pray if you feel you have to clap your hands, you clap your hands. I pray if you feel like you have to go home and every night you have to light a fire, I pray you do it because you wait and see what God does. Because if we don't, Scripture is clear. Life is tougher. Battles won't be won. If the Lord is putting on your heart, get walking around Bray, you get walking around Bray. And you wait and you see those kingdoms and principalities fall. If you hate that gargoyle up, up, the, up on, the, on the main street, I know I do. I'm going to start praying to march around that blue gargoyle. It's going to fall. Right? This, these kind of things were an active uh, participation. And that goes to everything, not just mercy. If we feel that we can't just talk about bringing mercy. Oh Lord, where is your mercy? Lord, where is your mercy? We're the mercy bringers. What is he trying to activate in your heart? If you have a hard heart here this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that he gives you his heart. The same heart that dragged them up, up a hill to nail himself to a cross so you will be set free. That's what I pray over you this morning.